You're listening to A Week in Wireless by Telecoms.com, the podcast dedicated to everything and anything going on in the telecoms biz. This week on A Week in Wireless, Tim's not here, but Jamie's back. We welcome a new guest and we talk all about broadband brewmans, meat. All this and more on Week in Wireless. Do you want to join the argument? Tweet us at Telecoms. Hello and welcome to A Week in Wireless, the podcast brought to you by telecoms.com. And this is Scott Bacchano, subbing for your usual presenter, Tim Skinner, who was last seen leading the search party for Jamie Davis in the suburbs of Hollyhead. <laughs> His quest most likely to end in failure, though, because Jamie's unexpectedly turned up in the studio. Hello, Jamie. Hi there, Scott. <laughs> welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, but luckily, uh, while Tim is AWOL, and this could be indefinite, uh, we have got another guest to fill in for him in the form of Matt Humphreys of Babel PR. Welcome, Matt. Oh, uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's a pleasure, mate. So, before we get on to... Uh, we were talking PR stuff last week, and I think it would only be sort of fair enough to revisit that with Matt and see if he just thought we were talking complete <laughs> to last week. Um, but I've, I've really got to know where you've been, Jamie, because, you know, there were, there were reports that you were on the Brecon Beacons, you were on a raft <laughs> at the Atlantic. So why don't you tell us a bit about what you've been up to? Yeah, well, I, where haven't I been? Uh, <laughs> you know, I was, uh, spent a couple of weeks over in China, um, then a cheeky little visit down to Hong Kong, and then this week over to Helsinki as well. Uh, wow. So a couple of conferences and uh, a little break in the middle. Uh, so talk us through it. What were you up to in China? So Huawei Connect. Um, Which is what? It's their annual sort of flagship customer event. Okay. Um, so they were, they were sort of kind enough to take me out there uh, on a press pass, and I got you know some great access to some good executives there, mm-hmm. and a real a good overview of the company as well. Cool. Um, you know where they are, where they want to be, and more than anything else, I think the one thing that really shone through for me was they have got this absolute burning desire to absolutely kick the you know just absolutely dominate the industry right take yeah, over yeah. The world. oh they're they're throwing some unbelievable... i think we got that memo oh yeah <laughs> but, i mean it was i mean the great thing about this show is that they gave us a really good oversight of their future cloud strategy right so it's quite cloudy yeah it was it was their which cloud as we events. know is one of your things it was yeah it was their cloud event so they've got three business units they've got their consumer their network and their enterprise uh, business group bg as they call it and this one was for the enterprise business group um and they launched their shape the cloud strategy right which without sounding a bit pessimistic was ultimately the same of what they'd done right. the year before. Bit of a rebrand, was it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only difference was, instead of being for early adopters, the cloud has now pan- penetrated mass markets. Mm-hmm. I see. So it was, you know, a new product, in inverted, in, uh, in quotation marks. Okay. But ultimately, that's not their fault. Um, right. You know... They, there's very little that's been done in the cloud industry yeah. over the last. Can you play months. with the hand you've been dealt? Yeah, yeah. And when they say shape the cloud, I mean presumably it's cloud shaped. Well, yeah? well, I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? They should start getting into the different. You know, there's all those different types of cloud, isn't there? There's like cumulonimbus and stuff like that. Can you name the rest of them? Uh, no, that's that's, that's it. One. That's my whole. <laughs> I'm trying to think that myself. I that's my whole cloud out. repertoire right there. <laughs> but uh, I mean, overall, I think. I mean, I got the impression that it's. They took us on a, a site visit, and I tell you what, I've never seen such a happy workforce. Uh-huh. They really, really look after their staff. Right. There. It wasn't one of those look happy, we've got guests. <laughs> sort no, of thing. no, no. I mean, 
the, the whole place was, I mean, you walked around their campus and it's kitted out. It's unbelievable. Like the restaurants are fantastic. It's all subsidized. They right. have they give out loans to employees so they don't have to, you know, so yeah, they can yeah. save. Okay, so they really look after them. Yeah. And did they look after you? Oh, very much so. Very, <laughs> very enjoyed so it. What, what, was, what was the hotel like for you? Oh, wonderful. Was it a Huawei hotel? No, no, no. It was uh, the, the Four Points by Sheraton. And um, it was, and uh, my my host is a, a chap called Ed Brewster who right. leads the, the UK yep, comms for... Uh, for Huawei, and he was, um, yeah, I think he did. He did a very good job at taking us out and getting pissed, basically. Excellent, <laughs> and, good man. You know, and yeah, what can you ask for? Right. Um, so, so is, is there a Chinese trip. beer you recommend? I can't even remember what we were drinking, <laughs> to be honest with you. It must have been good then. Well, I think at one point we ended up in the German beer hall. So, oh, you know, right. Well, okay. As you do. <laughs> so, and, then, and then you just sort of went off the radar for a couple of weeks. What happened there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Thailand's happened Thailand there. Thailand happened there. Thailand happened there. <laughs> right. Um, you know, two weeks of lying on a beach in Koh Samui. God, it so was... we need an ascent Tim, Tim off looking for you. You were just skiving away in Koh Samui. Yeah, yeah. Well, you might have sent him in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> you know? For some reason, we just assumed you were in Wales. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's a fair assumption. The Beacons. <laughs> you know, yeah, well... You know, Welsh people do miss the caves and the leeks every now and then, <laughs> so we do have to go home and re- get back to our roots. And then, and then to wrap it up, you came back for like about one day, <laughs> long enough to show us pictures of your sort of beach dwelling and make everyone hate you. And then you went off to Helsinki, was it? Yes, yeah. The uh, Nordic Digital Business Summit. Um, another really good conference, actually. Really, really good conference. Um, where I was speaking on a panel about data protection and data privacy. Right. Um, looking specifically Do you know anything at, about that stuff? Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> it. Uh, but it was like focusing on the impact Brexit has, right. what privacy shield means, um, you know, the, the legacy of safe harbour. And it, mm-hmm. was, um, it was good. I mean, we had a video introduction from a guy called Mar- uh, Mar- uh, Mark Sh- uh, Max Schrems, okay. who was one of the activists that has been credited for bringing down Safe Harbour. Ah. Um, and oh, yeah, name rings a bell now. Yes, yeah. yeah. And he was not... And he took the same view as me. They, they, they landed in the building, did they? Yeah. He was over in San Francisco, so he was doing it by, by link. Um, but... Extradition treaty being written up. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As he was presenting. We'll, we'll see. Well I, well, I think it's the Americans that probably got more of a more of an issue with him than we have. <laughs> yeah, so they've already got him. They, they, got they him, just man. let him out for the day to speak to the, uh, the guys in Helsinki. <laughs> but it was... Um, no, it was a good... It was a good, tra- it was a good show, and... I mean, my view on privacy shields, and I think it was echoed by Max and a few other people in the room, is that it's not going to last long. Right. Um, it's it feels rushed. Bit of a fudge, isn't it? Yeah. They, there was a big blank gap where Safe Harbour used to be, and they filled it with privacy shield, but it still has six clauses where the Americans can access da- uh, right. personal data. Um, it's still, according to the European Data Protection Supervisor and Article 29, it's still not robust enough, um, and it's just not going to. It's just not going to stand. It's just not going to stand for that long. No, it's interesting. It's a bit of a, a bit of a tangent. Um, it just occurs to me that you were writing a story earlier on today about uh, 
people getting access to data yeah. but in a different way. We, we read this. <laughs> we read, about Yahoo, by Yeah, this Yahoo choice. thing. Um, I was surprised that Yahoo actually had 500 million users. Well, this is exactly <laughs> this is one of the points hacked. Jamie made. I know. It was 200 like, million earlier in the week, and I thought, oh, I don't really buy that figure. And then suddenly it's up to 500. I know. Maybe that's maybe this whole thing is actually a, a very a, clever bit of marketing. I think it could be that Yahoo, Yahoo's PR team have like really kicked in. You know, they've really raised the bar. Yeah. Um, but just, yeah, just, to, that, just that, to prove how big the network is. That was bizarre, wasn't it? So half a billion people, that came as a surprise, because maybe Yahoo's a big deal in the States, but over in Europe, we don't really use it that much. Do you use it, Matt? No, I think no, I was you, Jamie? To, yeah, when I, when I was about 13, I did. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've I ever had, had a Yahoo account. I still have a Hotmail account, but uh, no, Yahoo... No. I don't think I ever use it as a search engine. I'm really down on Yahoo. I'm really sorry. Anyone from no. Yahoo out there, I, you know, it's a f- fabulous business. You're, you know, one of the first kind of like big internet players. Yeah. So like 20 huge, years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, a, tra- a trailblazer <laughs> in the industry. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm sorry. I never had a, never well, had a I, Yahoo account. You know, I, whatever good things Yahoo's done are offset by it sticking an exclamation mark at the end of its <laughs> company name. <laughs> as I'm concerned, that's a deal breaker. I always liked Yahoo UK and Ireland. I thought it was a nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, local branding, it really goes a long way. Yes, <laughs> yes, so afterthought. Um, what, and does UK and Ireland get an exclamation mark or something like that? Anyway, um, but yeah, and so they had that. And then the other weird thing, Jamie, about that, just to complete this particular tangent, was um, it happened two years ago, yeah, this half yeah. a billion people the getting li- their data nicked. And they've only just come out with it. That was a bit odd. Well, it's the, it was the, the latter end. The pretty slow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> Imagine the CTO just giving the the border call. I think we have a breach. When did it happen? (laughs) Oh, five years ago. Maybe they're using (laughs) the same diagnostics as when they founded the company back in about 1990. (laughs) I mean, it's a a tricky one. I mean, there's two... This was something I said in the article. There's There's two explanations. Either they knew about it, which is pretty sinister, and they didn't tell anyone, Mm -hmm. or they didn't know about it, and it just shows that their security team is just not up to scratch. It's not really. It's just not, not that great. It. I don't even think they're in house. <laughs> yeah. they, they, they have a security team if they've uh, if, it, if yeah. it's managed to be swept under the carpet for five years. It'd be some <laughs> no frills, easy security <laughs> yeah, or something yeah, like that. Basically, Ryan security. But it's. Um, I mean, either way. I mean, I'm not going to speculate which one is right yeah. because, you know, if I do. I'm likely to get sued either way, um, so I'm probably not going to say anything. No, we, we try not to get sued here. Yeah, no, uh, we yeah, I believe that the term allegedly is, allegedly. is used allegedly. a lot here to protect, to <laughs> yeah, protect yeah. any statements a lot made of, on the podcast. Everything is allegedly. But either way, it's not good news. It's either no. sinister or incompetent. So e- either case. And it's not great news for Verizon. So Verizon, oh. you know, it bought, it bought AOL a little while back. In fact, that occurs to me, Verizon's got a bit of a taste for sort of dot-com era companies that have gone a bit Pete Tong. Yeah, yeah. it likes to hoover up uh, so, you know, big names like yeah. AOL, Yahoo. So AOL back in, you know, 2000 had this big Time Warner thing and that all went horribly wrong. And now we've we got Yahoo and Verizon's, yeah, I'll have some of that. And not only was Yahoo in decline anyway, but we've had this thing coming along. Surely Verizon's going to go, hold on a minute, we didn't sign up for this. Yeah, there's, go- there's bound to be some to way. security team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's bound to be some way of getting out of it. Um, but I mean, whether they do or whether they don't, it's it was a very. I'm sure Matt will appreciate this. It was a very PR-y statement that they mm. put out that <coughs> indicated nothing, yeah. but suggested quite a lot. So we're keeping an eye on it, and yeah. uh, let's see. It might have an impact on what we do in the mm. future. Um, but 
Yeah, so I mean, there's been no clues so far. Okay. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I said this to you earlier as well, Scott. I mean, it's not really a massive thumbs up for the Verizon team either. Um, you know, if you're spending $4.8 billion yep. on a company, you're going to audit that to the absolute... You, you're That's what audit I always everything. do. Well, when I'm, when yeah, I'm you know. dropping five bill, I, <laughs> I'm always on top of my game. But, I mean, as bad as Yahoo's security team were for not picking it up for two years, you know, uh, you know Verizon probably had, what, two or three months to audit every single aspect mm. of mm. Yahoo's business, mm-hmm. and they didn't pick up on it either. Yeah. So, I mean, as much either this is some super hacker or neither business has really covered themselves yeah, and, in glory. And for the record, this is half a billion people. Yes, yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty big. the size of Europe. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know that's I mean? Europe. Mm. Uh, you know. <laughs> they just lost Europe. Yeah, basically. Well done. Um, anyway, so talking about PRE stuff, so we've got Matt here. Um, Matt... You're our second PR dude in a row, or, or dudes, plural, last week. Yes, I'm very honoured. Um, and uh, so we, we kind of, you know, we, we fully explored all, all the dynamics of what it's like being a journalist and a PR and, and communications in general. Um, so, you know, we won't go into such length on it, but I thought, you know, I thought I'd ask you, A, if you listened to it. I if did. you didn't, this is going to be a short chat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, and B, you know, what you, what you thought of some of, the, some of the sort of comms stuff we were chatting about. Yeah, the um, I thought it was a really interesting discussion, and and I actually thought that you know to their credit, Foggy and Nolan covered off the sort of um, you know uh, the machinations of the PR industry um, really well, and also the kind of the interaction between um, PR PR professionals and journalists. You know, they were very honest, and there was something that um, I think uh, Paul Nolan said about how certain. Um, agencies operate and it's already down to the culture of the agency and you know um, and the culture of that agency will dictate how the, op- how the agency operates, how it treats journalists, how it builds relationships with, with journalists and publications I think what it comes down to is um, you know you've got me in the, uh, in the studio today you had the CC Group boys um, in here this week, and I think that's sort of testament to sort of the trust and respect, you know, definitely that, that, that some some PR agencies have, you yeah, know, with the guys on the other side of the fence. And testament to the fact that you've got us pissed on quite a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> yeah, we got that, um, you know, that, that, that wonderful journalist credit card that always <laughs> seems to get waxed at the end of the week. Um, but the, I, I think what it comes down to is, um, I, I think it's sort of it's the difference between the specialist agency and the generalist agency. Yeah, definitely. And the generalist agency um, will have a technology client, for example, but they may not be, you know, they may not be um, uh, completely um, focused on sort of particular sector that that company operates in. They don't really have the depth and breadth of knowledge of, the, of that sector or even of, of that company. Um, so what they tend to do is you'll probably get um, a situation whereby if they're reaching out to media, you will you, you you'll probably get um, a list of names put in the hand of a junior uh, yeah. PR professional, and they'll be asked to just go right. Our client needs some um, some media opportunities. Can you just go through this list one by one, yeah. and um, and just see if you can you know 
maybe generate an interview or yeah, and that's uh, how it comes over yeah. at, at our end as yeah, well. Yeah, and, and there's no there's no sort of intelligence behind it. There's no research carried out. And you know, I know this sort of model um, all too well because when I you know first cut my teeth working in PR about sort of um, God 14 years ago now, and that was kind of the you, you don't know, look it, mate. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. It's it's nice to be the youngest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I quite like it. Well, that's that's kind of sort of you know the general approach, and it's really sad because you know it, it doesn't really it, it doesn't really benefit the client at all because essentially what you're doing is pissing journalists off you're mm-hmm. wasting their time you're probably ringing um, you know journalists who have you know kind of uh, it's completely outside their area of focus they have no interest whatsoever in, in, mm. in the company um, but the specialist agency um, is a different breed um, because you you I mean uh, Babel PR is a, is a tech agency um, I sort of head up the telecom side of the business, and we folk, you know, and 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 the team and I, we p- focus purely on on telecoms, which in itself is a very, you know, kind of it's a very broad um, industry, and it's so diverse. So, it, you know, it, if we're working with a company, we need to understand everything about mm. the company. Just pretty geeky a lot of the time yeah, as well. Yeah, we're, we're all we're all te- we're all telecoms geeks at the end of the day. But you've just got to have a basic understanding of um, of the industry, of um, you know, the kind of the market forces. You've got to understand about, you know. Uh, um, what, who the company is selling to, and um, and and that really helps yeah. sort of define which media that, that you, you target as well. Yeah, and I, I think you know one other point they made, which you know and I'll, I'll put you on on the sort of together with CC and and one or two others on on the sort of short list of agencies who do add value, do things properly. Which again, if I didn't put you on this list, this would be quite an awkward conversation. <laughs> um, uh, is uh, another point I think Paul made is, is managing upwards as well. Mm. You guys have got to be able to look paying clients in the eye and go, look, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and there's perhaps, I'm guessing here, perhaps a bit too much sort of obsequiousness, a bit too much accommodating. Client asks the impossible and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, just to sort of keep them happy in the short term. So, um, yeah, I think that. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good, uh, good review of it and, and I completely agree. And there seems to be sort of general consensus among us more specialist types. Yeah, I think, I think you, you, if to, to sort of put it into context, there was, you know, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on journalists these, these days. I mean, you guys, uh, um, you know, editorial teams are shrinking across the board. Um, you know, you, you've got a strong team here, Scott, but there are, you know, a lot of uh, publications that, you know, I've seen go by the wayside over the last 10 years. And those that have survived are pretty much a, a one-man band in some well, cases. Well, it says something that a strong team consists of three people these <laughs> days anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, I remember back in the heady days of the FT digital business, which, you know, it was the holy grail for most technology companies right. to get, uh, you know, to, to sort of get some coverage in the FT digital business. And there's a chap over there, uh, Peter Whitehead, he was the editor back in the day. And he told me once that he was receiving a thousand emails a day wow. from from PRs. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's just crazy. And yeah, how do you filter through all of that you know, to well, find the, out? You so know, the guess the stage where you don't, and the same yeah. goes, and you don't pick up the phone. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a bit self defeating. So I agree. Well, one thing I want to do um, before we go to the break is pick up on one sort of PR initiative that I've. Uh, sort of helped you with the last couple of years, Matt, where you do, prior to Mowar Congress, which is, of course, the sort of, you know, the big super-duper event of the year for telecoms. I'm not going to say the only event, because Informer's got plenty of telecoms <laughs> events. I'll, I'll get in trouble there. It's probably the Glastonbury of telecoms. Well, I, th- I think, you know, I think uh, even Informer would have to concede that Mowar <laughs> Congress is, uh, is the biggie. And back in the day, we did used to run it. That's very it true. It should be noted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and prior to that, you like to do a sort of client briefing thing where you get um, some sort of uh, gobshites like me in a room 
Opinion leader, Scott. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to just sort of bang on about Mobile Congress from our point of view. So, um, and, and that's really good fun. Thanks a lot for inviting me. The last couple of years I've done that. Uh, last year it was with one other journalist and an analyst. Um, and it seems to go down reasonably well with your clients, does it? Yeah, I think actually this goes back to what you were saying before about the kind of managing upwards or pushing back on clients because, you know, um, clients will come to, you know, they they want to talk about what they're doing in the market and, you know, what they might perceive as news, sometimes we can look at that and say, well, actually, it it might not go down too well with the media that Mm. you want to target. So the media are probably more interested to hear about your opinion on matters and what's going on in the industry. Um, You know, we sit down with them... Um, we, we, we come up with a strategy that allows them to really express their opinions and really set themselves apart from some of the other companies that are out there because you know, telecom is absolutely vast. You know, you, it's pretty tough for the guy, the companies out there. You think about all the different categories. How many DPI companies are there out there? How many billing and charging companies are there mm. out there? How many service assurance companies? How many small sale providers? Not many now because they've all been acquired by larger mm. uh, infrastructure vendors. But, it, it, you know, it, and, and, and if they are going to differentiate themselves, then they need to, you know, just sort of be bold, uh, talk about, you know, be honest about their sort of, you know, view on the market and the trends that are happening in the marketplace and, you know, say something a bit more interesting than just talking about their, their latest product. Yeah. Unless their latest product is something absolutely groundbreaking. And, you know, so it occasionally is, yeah, but yeah. a lot of the time it's a sort of incremental... You know, version 4.0 of something or other. <laughs> well, I think that goes back to our buzzword, yeah. buzzword competition the other day. And I think, I think, I, I dread to think how many times I've read leading or yeah. breakthrough or something yeah, like end that. End to end, all that end, stuff. Yeah. yeah, solution provider. I know it's all that. And, and I do have some sympathy, you know, um, for the people who have to write this stuff because there's only so many different ways you can say more or less the same thing. <laughs> but, yeah, um, absolutely. And I think going back to the kind of. Um, you know the, the Mobile World Congress um, events that we held um, the last couple of years, which you've you know you've really helped out, and it's been great to have your support and come along and speak to our clients and, and prospects. And I think it is. It's just trying to reinforce that point that. You know, Mobile Congress is a really big event, and let's be quite honest, um, the media are only really going to cover um, the news from the blue chip companies, from the operators, from the handset manufacturers, you know, um, um, and, and, and now the kind of, you know, the OTT players, for want a better word, you know, the, 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 the internet brands, the likes of Facebook and Google, yeah. you know, they, they, they have a huge presence at the show now, and, you know, and um, recent, you know, a few years ago, there was the, uh, the Facebook WhatsApp uh, merger, you know, and that mm-hmm. completely, you know, blew everything out of the water and all the focus was on that. So it's difficult for, say, um, you know, kind of a vendor to sort of, you know, to get noticed at an event like Mobile yeah. World Congress. And what we sort of tend to um, sort of advise our clients on is there's a, there's, a, there's a window before the event. You've got January and February. And during that time, a lot of the press are hunting around looking for sort of, you know, clues, steers on what's going to happen at Mobile World Congress, what's going to be the big news. And these guys um, do have a lot of insight into what's going on in the industry because, you know, yeah. they're, they're invested in the operators. They're talking, totally. they're talking to operator customers on a, you know, on a regular basis. And, you know, there's, 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 there's some sense of information that we would we would advise them to, you know, um, yeah. keep keep tight lipped about. But then there's, you know, there's some really interesting points that they can, you know, talk about. You know, um, what's happening. You know, th- th- their predictions about what, what what's going to be the uh, the big issues at the show. So I think it's best to sort of use that period leading into the show to get any news out that you have. You know, yeah. t- and, and and talk to journalists while they have time because let's be quite honest at the show. 
you know, telecoms.com, for example, you guys do a lot of kind of paid for, um, you know, Yeah, we do TV interviews. Yeah, all e- that exactly. Sort of so you guys are going to give priority for that on the first couple of days. It, well, it, it's going to be tough. We kind of have to, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... You've got to pay the bills. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it would be it would be, be sort of, you know, it, would, it, it, it wouldn't be um, advisable for, for me to say to a client, look, let's just save everything up for Mobile World Congress no, and you can speak to all the there. We'll be running yeah, around like exactly, headless exactly. chickens. And, and they're just going to be down the pecking order, you know, slightly behind the likes of Vodafone, the likes of Facebook, yeah. and the likes of Ericsson and Samsung. So, you know, the... the, 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 the and whoever of... else has got tequila on their stand. <laughs> Free booze goes a long way. Yeah. Um, especially <laughs> if, you know, you're, you're a tired engineer who's been stood in a booth all day trying yeah, to uh, talk about IMS and um, IoT. But, yeah, um, so, yeah, so, uh, uh, and yeah, essentially, I think if, if you, you know, you, you want to make some... If, if, if there's too much noise at the show. So the, the, my, our advice to clients has always been, you know, try and make some noise before the show well, so that p- people understand you know where you're coming from and um, and what you stand for. So uh, before we go to the break, I'm going to uh, I'm going to just put it to the floor. I'll kick it off with the sort of thing we're most looking forward to and thing we're least looking forward to for World Congress 2017. I'd say most looking forward to. There's certainly you know, the, the evening larks. There's this one. For the last two years, I've been there on a Wednesday. There's a bar which I won't name because it's a bit of a sort of secret among sort of telecoms journalists and PRs, but it's just off La, La Rambla. Um, where we always end up on Wednesday night, and I've normally sort of called it a day about four or five in the morning. So that that's a distinct that's highlight. <laughs> and then a more a slightly less frivolous, more worky highlight is I like exactly what you just said, Matt. I like just going around and chatting to people, apropos nothing, yeah. not headline chasing, mm. not necessarily fulfilling a commercial thing, just sitting down, talking to people, getting mm. the word on the street. And I felt I got really educated last year mm. just from doing that. And I think the thing I'm looking forward to least is the sandwiches oh. in the Fira. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it is shocking. So they have about a zillion people go through there. GSMA makes obscene amounts of money from it. And they've got a captive audience. And these sandwiches, I swear, are borderline in, inedible. Yeah, you yeah. know, and this is Spain. They're not a cooking Spain. Board, aren't they? Uh, and, and they charge you like about a tenner for them as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, those, those are my positive and negative. What about you, Matt? Well, uh, yeah, I've got to echo that one. Um, you know, we had a, a client, and he's not the kind of guy that would queue up for a sandwich normally. No, and then <laughs> and then he got a completely rubbish one at the end of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what am I least looking forward to? Um, the sleepless nights, I right. think. I think it's tough. Uh, the, the, the one thing you've, you've got to make sure about a Mobile World Congress is you've got to get a warm meal at some yeah. stage during the day. Yeah. Because those, those sandwiches aren't going to get you through the whole 12-hour slog. No, Tim fear. had that last year. I'd, I'd filled his schedule so much that he just didn't eat all day. <laughs> Poor he guy. He was actually sort of coming over all faint. Just, just dehydrated and yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, um, low on blood sugar. Yeah, so I think the, the essentials are, you know, um, you've, the, the survival kit for Mobile World Congress, really, you've got to make sure you get, you get, you, you get a warm meal at some stage. Because after the, uh, the hard day slog at the Fira, you know, then the real work begins uh-huh. because then the, the, <laughs> the networking and the, and the hunting, you know, the hunting around to find your friends and have a, have a drink and just sort of, uh, you know, kind of uh, chew on the day's events. And as you say, that that can sort of lead into the early hours. So, uh, yeah, the one thing I'm not looking forward to is the fact that at Mobile World Congress, I probably get ooh, on average about maybe five hours sleep. For that. All in the whole time. <laughs> wow. If I'm lucky. How are you, Jamie? Looking forward to and not looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, I, I love going to conferences. So I just, I mean, like, you know, writing at my desk is is all well and good, but I I love I love going to conferences and actually getting getting the news off the stage and getting yep. it there and then. Uh, so I'm actually looking for hope well, looking forward to that side of things, getting yep. in on a few presentations, and 
I, I mean, I've only been to work Mobile Congress once, but, you know, like you guys, lack of sleep, possibly too much to drink the next day, yeah. a crowded bus all the way up there, lots and lots of walking. The one thing I'm look, not looking forward to is bloody sweating. It's going to be absolutely horrendous. Yeah, yeah. You the, know. One, the one thing that always amazes me about Mobile World Congress, and I think, you know, um, certainly with PRs and journos, is that, you know, we're just... Um, and I was slightly exaggerating. I do get more than five hours because I'd just be a basket case otherwise. <laughs> but the, it's, it's the fact that people are so committed. You know, you'll have... Uh, I, you know, I've got to be at the fair for probably sort of, you know, eight thirty, nine o'clock most mornings to, you know, sort of check in with clients to make sure everything's going well and, um, you know, that everything's on schedule and, the, and you know, sort of uh, <laughs> calling journalists and talking to voicemails and trying to find out where everybody is first thing in the morning. Uh, I'm just completely going off on one now. <laughs> Don't worry, mate. Don't worry. Well, I, I am going to butt in because I've got producer Brad making furious watch gestures at me through the window. So um, we're going to have a little break now, but stay with us and, and join us for more telco chat afterwards. We know you love us here at A Week in Wireless, so why don't you follow us on Twitter? Tweet us using the hashtag AWIW. Let us know what you think, and we'll tell you what we think of you on next week's episode. Hello, and welcome back to A Week in Wireless. Right now, we're going to go straight into some of the other stories that we've been talking about this week. And uh, I'm going to try and do this one. Uh, Your colleague and boss, I believe... Matt, Ian Hood, <laughs> sent me an email just before we did this and said, I'm looking forward to hearing the, the smashy and nicey of telecoms. And he'd even photoshopped. So smashy and nicey, for any listeners who don't know, are a couple of uh, comedy characters who are like sort of cliche DJs. DJs. Yeah. I think you were Harry Enfield and I was Paul White. Right, there we go. <laughs> um, and, so, uh, and so, yeah, in, in his honour, I'm going to try and do a bit of an accent. I'm going to go, OK, mate, we're going to talk about a bit of broadband bromance. Um, no, that's enough. I can't do it anymore. A bit of work for charity. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was, uh, I hope that was enough, Ian. Sorry. I told you I couldn't manage it for the whole thing. He wanted me to do it for the whole show. Um, and uh, so this is a story. Um, it was written by Tim, so I'm going to have to try and, and pretend I read it. No, only joking. Um, where he was talking about uh, BT and Virgin Media in the UK um, sort of getting together to brief against uh, some other companies such as Sky and Vodafone and TalkTalk, Talk, who on a regular basis, and I'm sure we've covered this on the podcast, moan about OpenReach, mm-hmm. which is um, BT's sort of wholesale division whereby it sort of lets out its fixed line capacity to people like Sky so that they can sell broadband. And, you know, initially you sort of think, well, Virgin's a major competitor of BT. What are they doing getting all bromancy with them? But... Um, when you when you read their their messaging of of their little sort of ad campaign they're doing, what it really comes down to is public money. So BT's always saying, you know, we can't possibly have this ultra fast broadband and all this super duper stuff without tons of public investment. We can't do it all ourselves. And so they get some public investment. And Virgin obviously wants a piece of that action. God and, God forbid the the couple of billion pound profit they got tucked you know away I mean? somewhere. Yeah, no, no, we need that for we need that, uh, we need that yeah. for going to the pub. Yeah, we got we got cakes to buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and to be honest, all companies if there's if there's public cash around, they all want some of that. You yeah. know, it's just it's just easy money. Um, so yeah, so they've got into this uh, this bizarre thing where they where Virgin's sort of joining in and just telling everyone else to stop moaning. Before we get to that, I mean, are there any sort of like conditions? You know, if you 
if the UK government gives you 100 million, do you have to give put in 150 million or anything like that, or is it or is it essentially a loan? Um, they usually they usually attach strings to it, but that's normally a sort of you know the goalposts shift a little bit on that. They they go right, we definitely commit to do this by this time, and then that deadline comes up, and they go yeah, you know it's been really tough, and um, we've been working late, and uh, and I've been really knackered, and I've had flu. And all that sort of thing. And they sort of come up with mitigation, don't they? Yeah, that's kind of like, a, it sounds like a Southern Rail scenario, really, doesn't right. it? <laughs> Blimey, that's, that's another one. Uh, that Southern Rail makes these guys look pretty efficient. Well, yes, yeah, 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 <laughs> admittedly. But that's a tangent, and I'm, I'm, I'm under strict instructions to, to exert a little bit more discipline over us lot than I did first time. Yeah, Who's... I think the, 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 the interesting thing about this um, joint advertising campaign between BT and Virgin, it's sort of... Um, it's it's that old adage of my enemy's enemy is my friend, mm. and I think BT are sort of you know they've 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 taken a lot of criticism from uh, Talk Talk, from Vodafone, uh, from Sky over the years because essentially these these ISPs they're all completely dependent on. BT open yeah, reaches on infrastructure. their competitor. Yeah, and it's uh, a bizarre situation. I mean, we, we, we've all we've all moved house. We've all um, you know we, we, we've we've all gone with a new service provider, and we've had to wait for the the BT engineer to turn up. You know, do, 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 you know, and that's um, despite w- w- whichever network you're on, it's you know, it's all dependent on that guy turning up to connect you to the. Uh, but there's a the nasty network. suspicion that he might turn up more quickly if you're paying BT directly <laughs> than if you're going through someone like Sky or Talk Talk, <laughs> isn't there? And that's that's basically what they accuse uh, BT of doing is dragging their feet. But we won't we won't thrash out that whole open reach thing again. I thought you know another story. This is one I wrote yesterday. Um, which isn't directly related, but is in the sort of general area of companies palling up to each other, um, was uh, Cisco and Salesforce announced this big strategic partnership. And I couldn't help dwelling on the fact that it, it was less than a year ago when Cisco announced a big strategic partnership with Ericsson. So, you know, I had to write the whole thing up as if it was a sort of infidelity, as if it was an affair. Um, because it, you know, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, you do get a, you do get a fair bit of that going on, uh, and then contrastingly, an- another story that I've been keeping an eye on the last uh, sort of two or three weeks uh, is India, specifically their telco sector. So an interesting thing happened there, which is uh, this new entrant called uh, Geo, um, is owned by India's richest man. Um, and it's bought a ton of spectrum. It's just it's a 4G only player. It's bought a ton of spectrum. It's got I think it's got the only nationwide license because India is quite fragmented. It's quite mm, regional, mm. all that sort of thing. And they got they've got a lot of players. You know, even the even the the market leaders only got about twenty odd percent. Yeah, Barty um, That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, and these guys have come in. Not only have they got all this money and they've got all this spectrum and they've got all this license, but they basically come in. Um, with the mother of all price promotions and gone to everyone, look, you can have free sims, you can have free voice, you can basically have free anything. You can come around my house and swim in my pool. They're just offering just tons of inducements to these people, and it's incredibly disruptive for the incumbents. So, you know, far from people sort of palling up, although it has caused a a couple of smaller players to, to, um, to merge, but yeah, but the interesting story there, uh, as far as India goes, is is just incredibly disruptive. I've never seen anything like it, even with when something like Free launched in France, mm. which which led to much sort of pouting and shrugging 
among the incumbents ab- ab- oh, on yeah. a price France war. Telecom were accusing Free of, you know, sort of riding roughshod yeah. on their network. There were all kinds of... Uh, exactly. The, re- the regulators were brought in, um, you know, even down to the fact... I think it was quite sort of hypocritical of France Telecom at the time, considering that they were all for, you know, the free market. Yeah. And as soon as another operator sort of threw its hat in the ring, albeit an MVNO, started using their network. But then yeah. it started grabbing all of their customers. I know. And the churn rate just went through the roof. And suddenly France Telecom, well, hold on a second. Yeah, We yeah, can't exactly. have this upstart in the, in the market. So. It's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like Google over in the States, really, you know, with uh, Project Project Fi, is it? Oh, yeah. Google, Google Fi, yeah. yeah. Which you know, is this. now, which is now they dropped the fibre and they're going to go with with wireless technology. Oh no, no, Google Google Fi, as in Fi. Um, I think it's a. It's That's an, M- an MVNO it's thing. An MVNO. But yeah, they've got the fibre thing as well, which is which is disruptive. Yeah. They're basically trying to get in everyone's face on on several fronts. Yeah, well, it's just that's just Google being Google, isn't it? So. Yeah, and, and I think you know it comes back to a little bit to what we're saying with the. Um, with the uh, BT and Virgin bromance, where these companies start moaning is if they think that their competitor has got a bit too much help from the state. Mm. So, of mm. course, the very nature of telecoms is it has to be regulated because it's a very high barrier to entry. Yeah, you know, Me and Jamie can't just go, do you know what, why don't we get into the operator game and just sort of launch an operator, you know, especially if, if, you, if you're going to be a, an actual network owner that's billions and billions and billions of investment so necessarily there has to be some sort of regulation and the state has to keep an eye on things but that always means that someone's going to cry foul you can't please all the people all the time and i think this is what's happening in india these other guys are going you know we're not happy about how easy you're making it for this guy who's not short of a bob let's know so i mean how is he making any money or is he just running it as a lost leader at the moment uh well, it's only just launched uh, so initially, he's probably going to burn like crazy. But, but, but is he charging for anything at the moment? No, in, initially he's not. And he's, and he's only ever going to charge for data. He's never going to charge for voice because it's 4G only, so it's, so it's going to be um, VoIP calls and all that. So Volte calls, sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's not obvious. It's like, it's like he's not even that bothered. He's like, I've got so much cash. Not I'm not a bother. I just really enjoy annoying these other market, people. It's just a market share play, a land grab play, basically. Yeah. And let's face it, they don't get a lot bigger in terms of market than mm. India. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's what T-Mobile have been doing over in the States, really, and they're just making a massive land grab and then monetize it later. Um, you know, when you look at their data-only plans, yeah. uh, you know, get the customers and then make the money in the long run, although they are making money. so The uncarrier model. Uh, yeah, that's the way. Uh, if, you've, if you've listened regularly, Matt, you'll know that Legere comes up. Legere is my hero. You know, we, all, earlier we were talking about things to look forward to at Mobile World Congress. Well, I think yeah. it was either last year or the year before where he went and gate-crushed AT&T's party. Right. I mean, absolutely legend. steamed in. Steamed in with, uh, you know, the uh, the typical grey suit, you know, with the, uh, the, the the sort of the T-Mobile branded T-shirt yeah. underneath. And then he, he, he apparently made and a real And his novel scene. haircut. Yeah, he, he made a massive scene and he was actually escorted out by yeah. AT&T Which security. Which is presumably what he was aiming for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was yeah. on the, you know, he was all over the show that, you know, the media, uh, you know, Know, went, went went crazy. It was all over Twitter. <laughs> you, you've got to admit, Legere, he loves a good stunt. Yeah, um, he's so, like the telcos version of Trump, basically. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. lot yeah. crazy young Trump. Yeah, just absolutely <laughs> loves getting in the press for any reason whatsoever. And they both they both share a taste for challenging haircuts. Do you reckon yes. he has a wardrobe just full of those um, T-Mobile T-shirts? So he's got one for every day. <laughs> Lurid pink ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, before I start getting onto sort of one or two other things, I thought I'd um, 
sort of hand control over to Matt briefly and just ask you if there's any other sort of stuff in the, you've seen in the news, could be on telecoms.com or just in general that caught your eye this week. Well, yeah, there was one. Um, I'm afraid it hasn't appeared on telecoms.com oh. yet, but who knows? You guys could be waiting for the scoop, just the next sort of, you know, it's a rumour that's circulating at the moment. The FT ran a report about um, Apple potentially acquiring um, McLaren. Right, yeah. in Formula One. Well, yeah, I mean, they, but they, they do sports cars as well. Yeah, they do the sports cars, the McLaren F1. So the, um, you know, but this is a this is a big company, a racing company, an automotive company, and I think you know for years it's been rumoured that Apple have been trying to get into you know the car game, um, you know the the, the self driving car, the electric car. In fact, they were rumoured to buy Tesla, I think, a couple of years ago, and that never came off. Well, they just bought. Um can't remember what the name of the company is, but there is a Silicon Valley company who make uh, who make motorcycles which can balance themselves. I think they've just bought. Or was that okay? Um, Could be. So I think it's yeah, like self-driving. There's a lot of motorbikes. there's a lot of autonomous vehicle action going on at the moment. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a bit self-driving motorbike. I don't think I'd feel very safe on one of those. No, no I wouldn't feel I think... safe in a self-driving car. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> but I think it's a you know. If they can get it right, if they can get electric motor motorbikes right, and they can do that sort of like that—that—that's the delivery model for like Amazon or something like that. It'd be substantially cheaper and more effective. What? No than, drones, just electric bikes. Yeah, can you imagine? It'd be, it'd electric be good bikes ex- and drones. What, what's uh, your your handwriting is terrible, Brad. I don't know what that says. I've got a sign being flashed at me from Brad. Brad's trying to give you a prompt for the word, you, the name you were looking for, I think. Oh, is it? Oh, it's the name of the company. Yeah, Lit, Lit Motors. Lit Motors. Okay, yeah. So they've just bought Lit Motors. There we are. Thanks, Brad. Um, so Brad prompts. So if I get yeah. stuck, can Brad help me out? Well, except you got your back to yeah, you're facing the wrong this direction. This is really unfortunate, <laughs> listeners. What I'm he does is... here, I'm facing the the, uh, the telecoms.com team, and Brad's behind me. I haven't got a chance. Yeah, all he does is make <laughs> obscene gestures behind your back. <laughs> but what I, the, the one thing that really made me laugh about this whole McLaren rumor is, you know, Google are, you know, it's you know, for, for, it's well documented that Google are, you know, sort of sort of streets ahead when it comes to the self-driving car. Yeah, you know, they've had all these tests. Um, they've had the, you know, the, it, it looks like a cycling proficiency test in, a, in, in, you know, in a Tesco car park, and you just watch these um, videos of cars sort of like being remote controlled and moving around. But the Google car is effectively a Suzuki Swift with a race are on the roof and right. Apple have thought forget about that we're yeah. thinking big here we're not going to we're not going to buy you know we're not going to get a, a, a mini driver, driverless car we're going to go for uh, the big guns yeah. we're going to go and get McLaren you know a company with F1 pedigree yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's like one of those things if Apple made cars <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd have to be the most sort of sort of showy smarmy expensive oh, car the, I mean they've got a huge amount of IP as well so I mean to be the technology leader in terms of like fiber chassis and all that sort of thing. I think that I can imagine that appealing to. Well, this is this Apple is what's fueling the rumors because you know the idea is that if Apple were to to acquire McLaren, they'd get their hands on all the patents. As you say, they've got all these lightweight chassis that they develop for all of their cars. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's sort of you know you've got Jonathan Ives and he's you know kind of his. Uh, the, it, there's a similar aesthetic between him and the Apple design yep. and, the, and the design of McLaren cars. So a lot of people are putting two and two together, right. and thinking this could be it. The one. The one thing I will say about that is that I did see a statement that McLaren came out and said, we're not getting bought. Um, or, or Apple oh, th- is not buying us. Well, that, they said, yeah, we haven't had any of those sorts of chats, but we do have chats every now and then, but well, nothing's set in stone. I mean, that's that sort of vague stuff. I mean, that's what I took away from it. The, yeah. the statement said, 
um, Apple is not buying us, but it didn't say that that there wasn't an they approach. Could, they, yeah, exactly. They and didn't Apple say could there buy a huge approach. stake in the company. Because yeah. apparently McLaren's losing money at the moment. Yeah, it's huge, not doing very well. So cash. they're probably looking for investors anyway. So who knows? Cool. It could be All a marriage right. made gonna, in their fibre chassis heaven. I'm going to move that one along in the name of time. There's one other little um, quick one I wanted to chat about before we sort of move on to the end. Uh, I wrote a little story about um, Intel and Amazon investing in some company called Thalmic, which makes these um, these armbands that sense not just your arm movement, but also the electrical activity in your muscles. Mm. And and so Jamie's looking all sceptical. Oh. Hear me out, Jamie. Uh, uh, and the point of this is uh, for basically a gesture control UI. Uh, and the reason I thought that it was interesting, firstly, that they're investing in it, because Intel and Amazon are two of the companies that are most conspicuously screwed up when it comes to mobile, Yeah. Um, was that, you know, I've written other, and I've had various rants about smartwatches. I can't see the point of them myself no uh, not, unless, to, not until they get their own connectivity well but even when they get their own connectivity are you going to leave your smartphone at home um hmm no probably not and you wouldn't you wouldn't talk into a smartwatch would you You'd feel a bit weird wouldn't I you? did I did see one of the journalists who uh, I was uh, I was at uh, in Shanghai with at Huawei Connect he did he did leave his phone in the uh, in the hotel right. one day couldn't be asked to go back to get it, so he had to spend the entire time speaking into right. his, you know, lifting his wrist up to his ear. And he did. I mean, he looked a little bit special. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say who it was, but you so know, he knows who he is. Andrew, you maybe owe me. Brad could yeah. write his name on the. Uh... Uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, I'm, I mean, that sort of rests my case anyway. So the point of this is to have a gesture UI. I can imagine a smartwatch being useful if, let's say, and obviously this isn't very radio friendly. But listener, I'm waving my hand around. Uh, but let's say you're waving your hand around, and in the process of waving your hand around, you're actually making things happen. You're sending instructions to a smartwatch, or possibly even writing in the air with Amazing. your hand. You know, there, there I could see uh, what is broadly a, a gesture UI uh, might be useful. So that, that's that. I, we, we haven't got time for me to go into my full smartwatch rant. It does, um, it does sound like every, every Harry Potter fan whoever existed and there didn't get that letter from Hogwarts. So they can buy wand accessories that, that <laughs> attach to the watch. Exactly. So now, now anyone can be that Harry Potter. Exactly, exactly. Live in June. I've got the glasses, just need a slap on the face and I'll be all right. All right, I've got... So uh, we're coming to the end here. I've got one little quirky that I'll quickly get out of the way. Uh, I noticed it today, uh, Deloitte, who I thought was an accountant firm, but there you go. They've done a, they've done a mobile survey, which they called There's No Place Like Phone. <laughs> go on, lads. Um, and uh, one of the findings Jamie's from it <laughs> was his head in disapproval, shaking his head, <laughs> shaking his head right. He's not having it. <laughs> that a, a third of people in the UK apparently admit to using their phone at night. They didn't go into the specifics of what they use it for. It's a, what, how do they define night? Is yeah. this the well, middle I mean, of the like night? in bed, waking up in the middle of the night. Well, no, I think they said in bed, and, and half of eighteen to twenty-four year olds. Use it in bed. Now, it could, you could just be in bed, obviously, you know, Facebooking you or whatever. Set your alarm clock. Sounds like they need yeah. to get Tinder to me. <laughs> well, quite. Uh, so, uh, so there's that one out there. And then last thing, uh, we've had a couple of people respond to the hashtag AWIW um, on Twitter. Uh, Andy Weston said, enjoying a week in wireless podcast on telecoms.com. And yes, I too am authentically 5G ready. <laughs> so thanks, Andy. As we, as, as we always say every week, anyone who, uh, who tweets that hashtag, we will read it out. And uh, long-time listener and one-time guest Mary Clark uh, said uh, about the last week's one with uh, Paul and Rich, 
Uh, great pod, excellent buzzwords, hashtag cleverage. <laughs> Proud to be mentioned, a client who gets it, smiley face. So there we go. And, uh, and we've run out of time there. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thanks for turning up for once, Jamie. <laughs> well, you know. I get paid to do it, so I might as well turn up every now and then. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. Okay. <laughs> um, and thanks, Scott. Yeah, no worries. Uh, thanks, thanks, for have, thanks for having us, Scott. <laughs> and, and thanks, listeners, for bearing with us. See you next time. Thanks very much for joining us. This has been a Weekend Wireless, the podcast brought to you by telecoms.com, covering everything and anything in the telecoms industry. If you want to join the argument, tweet us at telecoms. Share your thoughts. We'll see you again next week, same place, same time, same people, but even better.